Beware of the Astros zombies. They mutilate, they torture, they kill. Spine-tingling horror, unspeakable shock. We stay here, we are going to die. Of excitement, John Richards and Andy Gilly are talking everything and anything horror movies. Welcome to the Horrorphoria Podcast, episode 15, June 4th. 2019, Andy Gilly, our executive producer, and I'm John Richards. That's right. And we have a special guest today, Rob uh, from uh, Straight Chillin' Podcast. Rob? Hey, Rob. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on today. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah. w- welcome aboard. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just coming together as horror movie fans. And Andy actually introduced me to your podcast, the Straight Chillin' Podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, we're called a straight chilling podcast. We're based out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. We've been doing it since 2014 and it kind of just came naturally. Basically, uh, I used to watch horror movies with my friends all the time. We'd sit around in a circle and discuss them afterwards. And we're like, hey, why don't we uh, put a microphone in front of us and start talking about uh, these movies and record what we have to say? Um, So we started this horror movie podcast. Uh, where we review a movie each week, um, and it's sort of, uh, it's been going strong. It's, it's actually evolved in a way to where we all used to live in the same city and sit around the same table and do the show, and uh, now we all live in different cities and uh, even states and countries. So, so one of our regular hosts lives in South Korea now, so it's become this, uh, this kind of great way for just old friends to kind of keep in touch that's and awesome. also reach out and meet new new friends like you guys. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you coming aboard. So we're going to kick this off. Uh, horror movie news. Andy, yeah. there's a lot going on. Sure, there is actually a lot going on. Uh, Bloomhouse movie Ma had a successful opening this uh, box office uh, in the box office this weekend. It's going up against Godzilla. Ma brought in $18 million, uh, domestically $21 million glo- globally on a $5 million budget. Uh, and there was good news for Brightburn, which has earned $24 million so far on a $6 million budget. Uh, i got to see both of those this week. I think, Rob, you've seen both of those movies, haven't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, we did a show on Brightburn, and we're about to do one on Godzilla. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Ma? Yeah, I saw Ma as well. Um, yeah. I actually, of those three, Ma is probably my favorite. Cool. I'll have to check yeah. those out. Absolutely. We'll have to listen to the Straight Chillin' Podcast to get your uh, take on those, and we'll probably do our own here in the next couple weeks. I think so. Yep. Heck um, yeah. Veteran special effects master horror movie actor Tom Savini will be directing an episode of the new Shutter series Creep Show. Uh, that show already features David Arquette and Trisha Heffler of Battlestar Galactica, the uh, reimagined one from a couple of years ago, not the original. I cannot but. wait for this. And, <laughs> and Rob actually did a, a podcast on that as well. We'll talk about it later, though. Yeah, absolutely. Rob Zombie promises a new trailer for Three from Hell this week. Zombie says the new trailer <laughs> will be coming in six days. So that would make it Monday, right? A uh, movie featuring Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, and Sid Haig is expected to have a fall 2019 release. Oh, I cannot wait for this. You know I love the Rob Zombie movies <laughs> except do. the Halloweens. What about you, Rob? I can wait. I'm oh. in no hurry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel the same way about, as Rob about yeah. Rob Zombie. Uh, a legal morass considering the Friday the 13th series just got muddier as the original film's writer and original film's director and producer filed more legal motions. The director, Sean Cunningham, and Horror Inc. are asking the court to reverse the decision that gave the rights to Victor Miller, the film's writer. Uh, bottom line here is the legal si- situation considering Friday the 13th isn't going to get straightened out anytime soon, so no new Jason or Friday the 13th movies can be made until the deal is reached between the two parties. And I think I heard that had ramifications for the... Uh, 
video game as well. It's pretty popular. I I don't care. I mean, I, I think we need to stop with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so I think that's uh, that's all uh, horror movie uh, news uh, I have for this week. Uh, uh, horror movie trivia. You got one for this week? Yes. In honor of our guest, Rob, he recently did a bonus podcast. Uh, what was the name of that bar, Rob, that you guys were at? Oh, yeah. It's called the Justice Pub. Okay. So you guys did an awesome podcast about Creep Show. Very cool. I mean, because you tied in the whole uh, uh, comic book thing with the movie. So this, you can't answer this. This is for Andrew Strictly. (laughs) All right. What was Stephen King's character's name in Creep Show? Oh, I don't remember his name. He was like the plant (laughs) guy that had green that plants growing on him. What was Uh his name? I don't know what it was. It was actually the name of the title of the uh, that that part of the anthology. It was the Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Ah, that's it. That's right. Was I right, Rob? (laughs) Oh, yeah, you got it. Also, uh, probably the worst bit of acting in that whole movie. No, no, no. I'll tell you right now, we're going to get into that because I've got one worse. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What about yours, Andy? Okay, uh, uh, I'm I'm going with the uh, vinegar syndrome uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Night Beast, which is a great 1982 film restored by vinegar syndrome featuring a creature from outer space that lands and kills people. Uh, I haven't seen the restored version. I've seen it on VHS uh, in the 80s. Uh, it features the first screen credit of this famous film actor, uh, most recently credited with helming the latest editions of a very famous space-based franchise. Hmm. Go you ahead, that, Rob. You know who that is, Rob? Oh, no. I've never seen Night Beast. I don't no, know really no. much about it. Never seen Night Beast. J.J. No. Abrams got a credit for the sound on Night Beast. <laughs> Dang. Okay. That's pretty awesome. So, all right. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, vinegar syndrome. Now, Rob, you get a little bit of hell for, uh, for your enjoyment of the vinegar syndrome movies from your uh, straight chilling podcast uh, friends there. But uh, I really think this is some cool stuff. So uh, we can talk a little bit about it. Now, this is a company from Connecticut, right? Yeah. So um, if, if you're unfamiliar with vinegar syndrome, Basically, they seek out these old horror movies from like the 70s and the 80s. And they also do uh, like thrillers and like science fiction stuff and even like some some stuff that I don't personally get into. But they restore like old pornos. As yeah, well. right. Um, exactly. <laughs> little TNA movies they, and stuff. Yeah, you yeah. bet. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's what they do. <laughs> they like uh, they pull these movies out of obscurity, basically. And uh, they do really nice 2K and 4K transfers of them. They create these Blu-ray, these like special edition Blu-rays with you know, really nice slip covers and bonus features and all this stuff. And they're not the only company doing this kind of thing. There's several, uh, like, uh, boutique Blu-ray labels, I guess you might want to call them like arrow video and screen factory and Severin and blue underground. And, you know, I could go on. Um, but it's sort of this, um, this way that uh, us uh, mindless collectors can just waste all of our money on these <laughs> wonderful, wonderful movies. Nobody knows about Exactly. And yeah, we, n- none of us are, are, uh, uh, you know, uh, with vinegar syndrome, but we're, we're just fans of it. Uh, Rob isn't uh, speaking for it for them as the company or anything like that. Uh, we're, we just are people that spend a lot of money on these movies, right? And we're probably keeping them afloat. Now I noticed their, their website yeah. is, is off for a little while. I think they had a big sale, probably uh, catching up with that or something. Uh, all the movies that we bought, right? <laughs> uh, exactly right. Yeah. I've noticed they have a, what they call a halfway to black Friday sale. And then right. on black Friday, they also have another big sale and they just like shut down for a week so they can ship everything out. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's what's going on right now. So obviously we aren't promoting these guys because if we were, we wouldn't uh, do it while their site was down. But, uh, right. um, but what the, the work I, uh, that they're doing, I feel is really important, especially for a lot of horror movies. Um, you don't really see this, uh, these kind of attempts at restoration or ensuring that these kind of movies are available in the future. Um, 
especially when some of them are thought of as, as like bad movies or exploitative or crap. Um, maybe some of them are. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for sure. In the case of something like Blood Harvest, which we're going to talk about today, uh, or any of Bill Rubain's movies, he's a director from central Wisconsin we're going to talk today uh, who did Blood Harvest. Uh, these are significant movies for a small number of people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for instance, people in our area m- might be in the movie. Uh, it might have a look at some of the way things were in a community. Uh, and let's, you know, let's just face it. You can't put every single movie in that salt mine they have that uh, that, that keeps uh, uh, um, films uh from deteriorating or, uh, you know, that uh, Library of Congress uh, protection thing that, that, that they have. Not all of the films can go into that. And certainly these wouldn't be candidates for that. Um, but I think there's good reasons to keep these movies around, even if it's just the nostalgia factor. You know, you saw this movie when you're younger. It means something to you. Um, there, I can't think of any movies necessarily, but the series Freddy's Nightmares is something I really loved when I was younger. And it's really only available right now on bootleg and in clips on, on YouTube and stuff. And I think that's really, uh, you know, it's really kind of sad. I'd like to watch that. And it'd certainly be nice, you know, when I'm watching on YouTube, it's a 480i transfer from, sure. you know, sometimes from somebody's cell phone or something that's watching it on VHS or whatever the last time they put it out was. So right. so I really think this is an, some important work that they're doing to preserve this kind of stuff because uh, it's not something that's going to be preserved uh, for the... Uh, you know, you know, for the, for the majority of people, it's it's something that's that's preserved for a small group of people like us 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 horror fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when something like that is no longer available, I think it's, it's pretty sad. Now, I think this is kind of what happened with like Nosferatu. You know, the uh, Murnau. 1922 version there's there's significant portions of that film that are just gone and and missing and i think you know that's why because it back then it really wasn't considered an important film Mm -hmm. it uh you know it it was kind of involved in some legal troubles and stuff so i think people just thought it was kind of uh it was this creepy film nobody really understood back then and and it's gone now and i think that's a real tragedy you know so i think this this kind of stuff is kind of an important endeavor even though some people might laugh at at some of the things that they're preserving (laughs) So oh, when we get, get into the movie, uh, I'll be laughing a lot. <laughs> so, Rob, what are some of your favorite uh, vinegar syndrome? And let's just uh, let's just explain what vinegar syndrome is, too. Uh, you want to you want to go ahead and explain that, Rob? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, where they get the name vinegar syndrome is uh, this old like Kodak film, like the physical film reels that they film these movies on. If it's not taken care of properly, if it's not put in some sort of like climate controlled um, area, it starts to disintegrate. Um, like the, and it, it forms like actual acidic acid, which kind of gives off this odor of vinegar. So they refer to it as vinegar syndrome. Oh, um, nice. so they're sort of saving these movies and keeping this from happening to them basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of good stuff that, that they've put out. I've seen some that aren't particularly great, but I do have a handful of, I would recommend if you're like thinking about maybe, uh, foraying into into buying some of these absolutely blu-ray. tell us tell us what to waste our money on in this site when it exactly. comes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yes it would be my pleasure thanks um, the first one I want to mention is a movie called The Suckling which um, I actually this, think it's actually, yeah. on Amazon to stream too if you want to like start there and see if this is the kind of thing you want to really get into yeah um, but it's about um, this woman who gets uh, kind of tricked into having an abortion i guess is the best way to put it and her baby gets um covered in some sort of radioactive goo and transformed into this uh murderous creature that comes back and just lays waste to all these terrible people throughout the movie so it's, it's basically a monster movie and it sounds really 
really dark, right? Like that premise sounds horrible, but it's actually very comedic. And it's like as comedic as it could possibly be. <laughs> you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like the bright burn of the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a way, yeah, I guess so. Um, it's also the the monster in that movie is is played by Matthew Gingold, who's like uh, an OG Fangoria guy, which I think is kind of a neat oh, really? tidbit wow. there. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, another one, Blood Hook, which is it's it's like a classic uh, camp slasher movie, but it's set during this fishing tournament. And the slasher uses his fishing skills, um, you know, his rod and reels and his giant hooks to murder people with. That sounds awesome. Yes. So that's uh, that's definitely worth watching. Uh, Cutting Class, which is like an early 80s slasher uh, starring Brad Pitt, which yep, I was kind of, kind of blown away by. Mm -hmm. um, which is, it's just great to see Brad Pitt play kind of this jerky high schooler. It, it's totally <laughs> worth it. Um, Ice Cream Man, early 90s slasher movie. Um, <laughs> this guy just sort of murders kids and puts their body parts in his ice cream and sells it out of the back of his ice cream truck. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the last one here, I just kind of chose five, a movie called Frightmare. Uh, basically, it's about this uh, this movie star who's, who's kind of like, um, he's basically like, uh, some sort of hammer horror movie guy is, is, is how he's played up to be. And he passes away and these kids steal his corpse and they take his corpse back to his mansion. And then the guy comes alive and starts murdering these kids. And of course his mansion, since he was like a horror movie star, it's got all these really cool, like old horror movie posters and trinkets and stuff all in there. And the kills are great. Uh, it's got really fantastic, like atmosphere, tons of fog. Um, it's fun. I definitely recommend that as well. That sounds like fun. That does sound awesome. This really sounds like stuff that needs to be preserved to me. I mean, this, this are just great movies. Right. It sounds like yeah. that's what I'm binging this weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, I can't wait for that site to come back up because, uh, like I said, it is down right now, and I think they are busy shipping things out. Now I think they have a store in Connecticut too. You can actually go to. So uh, I don't have to make a pilgrimage there sometime. But uh, I would love to. I'd go broke. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think we all would. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I think we should get to our featured film. So, so which he, is a vinegar yep. syndrome film. Yeah, absolutely. They remastered a movie called Blood Harvest, uh, which was directed by a local filmmaker named Bill Rabane. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Um, I'm, you probably never heard of him, Rob, but uh, people around here have. He, he was actually kind of a brilliant guy. He was born in Latvia, came to the United States when he was 15. His mother was Latvian. His father was Estonian. He's actually been involved in the efforts to restore a uh, historic Estonian church here uh, in the area, actually, where Blood Harvest was made. Uh, he worked for WGN-TV in Chicago for a while. He created some kind of 360-degree motion picture processing um, thing i can't i can't really get any details on it i i don't uh, really get any kind of explanation about what it is but he he uh developed this and i, and I guess it's probably how he got some of the uh, first money that he did uh everything on the internet says rabane is credit credited with the introduction of the first 360 degree wraparound motion picture process by the uh, motion picture industry of the world innovation that's uh, spurred the cinemax process on today's rotoscope cameras so whatever that is he, he made um he became a millionaire making that uh, he moved up here started a studio called the shooting ranch uh in gleason wisconsin which is 
maybe 30 minutes from where John and I are sitting right now, mm-hmm. uh, north of here. And uh, they, of course, produce the giant spider invasion, uh, which is a, a kind of an infamous movie. You can uh, it's the classic. best. Yeah, it is a classic. The best way to watch it is really the uh, the MST3K version of it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty funny. Um, it grossed like twenty three million dollars on a on a three hundred twenty five thousand dollar budget back then. You're kidding me. That Not is bad. what that movie grows. That's like what <laughs> Brightburn has pulled in so far. Uh, so anyway, he has the money from this. Obviously, he was able to go on and produce more movies. They aren't all as bad as Giant Sp- uh, Spider Invasion and Blood Harvest. Uh, Demons of Ludlow, I've seen, and it's uh, it, it, it like. It's actually pretty good. Uh, these demons terrorize a... Well, I wouldn't call it good. It's it's pretty good for a Bill Rabane film. These demons are terrorizing this uh, New England town, and uh, Central Wisconsin stands in for New England in this movie. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. Anyway, 1986, uh, he had some kind of 1950s nostalgia concert. I actually remember this. It was a big deal here in Central Wisconsin. Right now, we have a lot of music festivals, uh, especially for country music. John, you know about a lot of those. But, no, I don't. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> John, John works at Country Station here. Yeah. but uh, So he had this concert, and it was kind of a big deal. Tiny Tim played at it. Uh, <laughs> apparently, this is where Rebane screen tested him for Blood Harvest. I would assume Rebane thought this was a good idea for the promotion aspect of it. <laughs> Rebane was not, he, I mean, this is not a dumb guy. Uh, and I, I suppose he thought he'd get some marketing mileage out of having him, <laughs> Tiny Tim, star in this thing. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll get into it. Tiny Tim's acting leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think Rebane possibly could have thought this was a great idea based on his acting ability. Nope. Uh, Tiny Tim was never in another movie after this one. <laughs> Actually, I, I think he was in he was in private parts now that I think about it. I think that was... He made a cameo. Yeah, he made him. a cameo. Because I think he was part of the show. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, anyway, he had a stroke in 1988. He says he lost like two and a half years of his life in, the, in some interviews that I read. During this the time that time, the shooting ranch went in bankruptcy. He now lives in Saxon, Wisconsin, which is maybe 15 minutes away from... Uh, like uh, a, a city called uh, or town called Hurley in northern Wisconsin, Ironwood, Michigan. It's up there, uh, and I guess he's still making movies. An article about the Estonian church that was written last year that he's trying to restore said he was uh, ready to release a movie called Ghostly Obsession. Uh, I don't really see anything that has been released. However, uh, Bill Rebane does have a Twitter uh, that uh, he, where he said it was ready to release. Um, I would hate tweet him, so I'm not going to follow him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. His, his Twitter is a lot about, uh, there's a lot of complaining about the licensing of Giant Spider Invasion to riff tracks, so there must be some sort of uh, problem there. I don't know. But um, anyway, he did this movie called Blood Harvest in 1987. All of us have seen it. Uh, stars Itonia Salchek as Jill. Um, the only person of real note besides Tiny Tim is Peter Krause. He's uh, had some su- success on TV. He's on that new show, 911. Yes. A great show, by the way. He's on Six Feet Under. He's been in the uh, show Parenthood. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much uh, the only people you're going to uh, recognize in this movie, which is kind of a shame. Antonia Salchuk, I think, does a pretty okay job in this movie for the material she's got. Again, I, I, the only way I saw this movie, and I'm, Rob, I don't know how you saw it. Maybe you, you picked it up. I saw it on Shudder's uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. So he gave kind of the same breakdown of, of Bill Rebane. Um 
and and this girl is European. She she didn't do a bad job, but she's trying to do a Midwest accent. I don't know if you've ever heard one, but but you know, yeah, John's from California. I probably have closest to a Midwest accent. He does. Here, yeah. He does. Yeah, I'm picking up on a little bit of a Midwest accent. I'm not super familiar with him uh, being a Florida boy my whole life, but I, I'm picking up on it a little bit. I probably could not tell if one was bad though. <laughs> Yeah. I think she did an okay job, actually. I, I wasn't really when when I was watching, I wasn't really aware that she was uh, Eastern European. That wasn't that wasn't coming through to me. Uh, I I think let, let's talk about first of all the restoration of the film, okay? Because I think it looks fantastic. Um, I'm pretty sure it looks better than the original film. Actually, I I don't know. I, I think it came through on show yeah. uh, as uh, there's a lot of shots uh, in his like Rebain made always made a lot of. Uh, I think he's kind of famous for making a lot of errors in the film production process, uh, like Giant Spider Invasion. They did that thing where they tried to make the day look dark by just making the film dark, <laughs> and they overprocessed that, and you got like a whole bunch of scenes where you're looking at like some something like a black square with some vaguely moving objects, and you have to kind of use your imagination to figure out what's going on. Well, at least they didn't leave a coffee cup in it. I'm talking to you, Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. And a water bottle. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think it I think it looked really good. What you did you guys get that come through to you? Or I mean Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, it had that it had that uh, kind of classic film grain look to it, which is something that until I started buying like these Blu-rays, I never I haven't seen the vast majority of these movies. Every once in a while they'll release something that's got some nostalgia for me, but more often than not, I'm sort of like chasing the dragon here, trying to find some sort of like new, new to me release. You know, this movie from like 1981 or something, um, and watching it for the first time. So watching these movies uh, for the first time for myself, anyways, like noticing this really nice film grain coming through on these, uh, these like 2K and 4K restorations, just sort of adds this whole new um, like texture and like. There's kind of this new like aspect to watching these movies. It, it, it's something that you don't see nowadays, obviously. Everything being shot digital, there is no film grain unless you, you know, overlay it intentionally. Um, I don't know. I just really appreciate how that comes through and how they like, really take their time to like go back and color correct some of these movies, too. Um, and it's uh, it's probably as far as this particular movie goes, probably the best part of the movie for me. Yeah. Man. I don't know. like. Tiny Tim. So I had seen this movie once before Joe Bob uh, did his thing with it on the last drive-in, and I um, I I kind of fast-forwarded through it when Joe Bob did it, just because I wanted to hear what he had to say about it. Here's thoughts, and I think I actually find Tiny Tim the person to be way more interesting than this movie is. Um, <laughs> on the last drive-in, they yeah. had they had his uh, like the head of his fan club. On there, and you know, uh, Joe Bob was asking him questions, and I, I didn't realize just how popular Tiny Tim actually was back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes me think that, you know, like you said, Bill Rubin's not a dumb guy. He he absolutely is not dumb. Apparently, Tiny Tim, when he got married, it was televised on one of the late shows with Carson, um, Johnny Carson, right? Yep. Was that it? Yeah. And, and uh, this uh, this head of his fan club said it was like the second most watched thing on TV that year. And it was a it was second only to the moon landing, which is incredible. Yep. Exactly. 45 million so people or something yeah. watched that. Yeah. I, I just can't believe that. I can't believe how popular it was back then. It, it is. It's hard to fathom that for me because I always 
I knew Tiny Tim as, you know, the guy that did Tiptoe Through the Tulips, and they used that creepy song in Insidious, and that's about it. Yeah, right. But apparently he was wildly famous, and um, I find that really, really intriguing. And they go on to say that, like, he was known to have memorized several thousand songs, but for some reason he couldn't memorize his film lines for this particular movie. Like, he just, he was totally incapable of doing that. He just seems like an interesting figure and like why would he agree to do this movie did he think this movie was going to help his career in any way I, I don't see how that would have been the case maybe he just like really likes clowns or something i don't know <laughs> i've got questions it's kind of it's kind of sad that he's no longer with us well i'm gonna go yeah i'm gonna go back to what you said yeah he, he really is like a musical genius uh like you said he memorized thousands of songs but but i i think with being a genius you're flawed because you know he he took on different personas and that was interesting to me at the Joe Bog Riggs part of it, um, how he talked about it. Now, I want to go in and, and I'm going to refer back to your, your Creep Show podcast. And you guys totally sure. ripped on Stephen King's acting. Who was the better actor? Was it Stephen King in Creep Show or Tiny Tim in Blood Harvest? <laughs> oh, Stephen King. Uh, see, <laughs> agreed. I totally. I, I can't handle like a clown doing falsettos and everything like that. So to me, it was... <laughs> Oh, boy. I, th- I think Tiny Tim, it sounded like he thought this was the direction he wanted his career to go was acting, was what I had kind of heard. Maybe. And uh, really? I, get the, I get the idea that this was a, he, it seemed like an, an addiction to fame. So he, that's why he came to this, like, I guess he was paid a thousand bucks to come to this uh, concert in Wisconsin uh, that, that Bill Rabane uh promoted or uh, held at his shooting ranch and uh i think that uh you know he he just saw it as as a, as a way to keep himself in, in the spotlight maybe um and that's why why he, he uh he went this way yeah. i mean it, it's 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 clear that he's never had an acting lesson he he makes uh you know joe bob briggs re- referred to a lot of acting mistakes he makes it's very apparent they have him in a lot of solilo- soliloquies because he can't act with other people in this no. <laughs> well no i mean he, he took a he took a nursery rhyme jack and jill went up the hill what was it Jack and Gary or Jill and Gary, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, whatever it was, and singing throughout the movie. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't quite understand. I didn't really understand what the character was even supposed to be. I, I didn't get like, was he supposed to be like a red herring who was? Uh, we, we were supposed to think he was the That's killer. Exactly what he was, but he was like this religious clown, and it just it, yeah. it baffled me. I, I wasn't. I was, It didn't seem like a big mystery shocker when Gary was revealed to be the killer at the end. Because uh, he wears like the same dad jeans and white canvas sneakers uh, the whole movie, and and when he's killing people, wears the same thing that the uh, that the Gary character does. So I mean, it, it wasn't like a shock to me. I didn't know if this was supposed to be like uh, you were supposed to think that Tiny Tim was the actual killer, and it was no, a big and, twist at the end. And again, <laughs> wait, he's gonna open his eyes? What? No, no, he's not gonna open. Maybe his they're eyes trying to. They're trying to do the whole sleight of hand, like, look at this over here. Like, no, nah, I was Gary the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, 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 I didn't know if that was really. <laughs> was that supposed to be like? It was not like an M Night Shyamalan twist at the end. That, <laughs> if, if that's what they were going for, I, I don't know. Uh, and you know, I think some of these scenes are actually really good. Uh, and if directed properly, they would have been. They would have been 
actually scary. Like that scene where uh, she's getting Jill is getting the Polaroids taken of her. Gary is taking the Polaroids while she's asleep or whatever. He, I think he chloroformed her. Creepy. He, yeah, it was that would have been really super creepy. And and that kind of thing was done really well in a movie called Jennifer Eight with Uma Thurman. You guys ever see that one? I like saw it some, a long time. Somebody's ago. Yeah. taking pictures. Of, she's blind in the movie, and somebody's taking pictures of her while she's uh, unaware of. It's super creepy. It's a really creepy scene. And like when she opened that refrigerator and all that blood uh, came out and she's slipping in the blood, <laughs> that could have been scary, you know, but it was directed so ineptly that uh, it just, it just went along with the comedy of the rest of it. And I also think that if tiny Tim had been directed properly and like some of these scenes, uh, if he had been, if the camera had been different, if the, the shots had been set up differently, I feel like you could have made him a little creepier too, instead of um, just kind of the, I don't know, inept comedy that he comes, uh, unintentional comedy that comes out in this. I'll take the opposite side of that. Maybe Bill was uh, like going, okay, so they were well, or they were supposed to be well acted. And it's like, um, okay, never mind, Tiny. I just need you to sing this part, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Just do that. I don't know. Do the falsetto. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everybody knows you for, right? Exactly. Do that. Maybe all you can do for me right now. (laughs) Throw on some clown makeup, falsetto, we're good. You know, the movie is, is, it's like, there's a scene where she walks in and there's that guy hung in effigy in her house or whatever. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to pretend that was a real body. <laughs> like, like I, I didn't know if I was supposed to use my imagination or I didn't know if the special effects were that bad or, or if it was, uh, uh, you know, a guy hung in effigy turned out to be a, you know, supposed to be a fake person. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but, uh, well, cool, man. Jill has Jill has a pretty great side pony during most of the movie. It's yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> she is rocking the side pony for sure. It's kind she of a, uh, a nice look at the uh, the the way we uh, some some eighties culture from back then. Yeah, I think Rob's a little younger than us, so yeah, I, I, right, right. There's a lot of. Um, and Bill Rabane, I think, has this in his movies. There's a lot of gratuity in it, uh, and I guess for for a vinegar syndrome movie, it's 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 probably not I, not the uh, worst. Uh, Antonia Salchuk doesn't really wear pants for most of the movie. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I guess there's Clothing a VH- optional. What's that? Clothing yeah. optional. <laughs> exactly. So I'm I'm watching this at uh, at, at my house up up north, and the uh, the TV is pointed like right out the window. You like you can see oh, from boy. the street what I'm watching. Oh boy! <laughs> and I'm I'm wondering if they were thinking I was watching like a 70s porno. While oh yeah. I was watching because like what you said, the film grain, which which I do really like, uh, Rob. I, I hear you there. I think that gives a kind of a grindhouse feel to some of this, and and it, it really does. It it could be another thing that makes the movie effective actually, but. Uh, um, anyway, I, I guess there's like a VHS director's cut that has n- a director's cut that has no nudity and less gore. Yeah. Well, okay. So this movie's like 10 minutes long in that case? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> exactly. What else happened in the movie? I don't remember. So, so what I heard is that Bill Rabane was seeking office or something, like he was running for office, and that was his way to like show that his movies weren't bad. And, and then the you know the U.S. VHS version is the one we're watching uh, that's been restored by uh, uh, Vinegar Syndrome. It's also a U.K. version that has less nudity and gore in it but uh there's some pretty uh gratuitous shots of of, of that kind of stuff and yeah. uh you but, just wouldn't see that anymore in a movie i guess right, for- <laughs> rob we, we do the same thing you guys do as far as a, a score out of five what would you give blood harvest okay um out of five this might seem harsh but i think i gotta give it the old one star rating here <laughs> you know i was gonna go this i uh, I was going to go the half star, 
but because yeah. I'm, I'm living in Wisconsin now, I've got to give it an extra half star. So I'm right there with you, one star. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it. I would give it a half star too. But that great Mervo the Clown song and the credits uh, that uh, the Tiny Tim said <laughs> at the end. That, yeah, I mean that really gives it, that that has to pump it up to one star for me. I mean for and for me it is uh, it is a little different. I've lived in this area. I know that that uh, the Gleason town where where this was filmed. So it is interesting to me. But yeah, it, I can't give it any more than one star uh it's it's just the there's inept directing i mean there are there are things that uh this does not deserve a remake but if you rewrote some of it you redirected it you could maybe come out with a okay movie but uh this doesn't deserve any i wouldn't have any problems with somebody remaking it making it better i'm good with that (laughs) yeah me too you can't you can't do a whole heck of a lot worse really no you're absolutely right (laughs) all right rob thank you so much for joining us the straight chilling podcast check it out uh on all formats what do you guys have coming up for your next episode yeah coming up next we're gonna be talking about godzilla king of the monsters awesome check it out definitely gonna be there for that we we won't get any spoilers about it hey don't forget uh the listeners of the horrorphoria podcast we got episode 20 coming up in about a month now so we want your suggestions of what movie we should watch and review we've got a couple of great suggestions on our facebook just uh, search for us horrorphoria podcast or you could search for Rob, our, now our good friend in Jacksonville, Florida, for the Straight Chilling Podcast. Listen to all of them. You guys are up to like 218 or more because you got bonus podcasts, right? Right, yeah. We do uh, at least one a week. We'll throw out some bonus shows here and there as well. Um, yeah, that we're about to record episode number 218, so we've got a whole back catalog that you can find on you know, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you find podcasts, you'll be able to find us. Just search Straight Chilling Podcast. Yeah. And awesome. Can I make a suggestion real quick for your K-movie horror that you should watch? Yes. The Wailing. I, I, I vote for that one. That, uh, so, yeah, we have a, a poll put up every month. We let uh, our, our listeners vote on a movie that we should talk about. And among the uh, the Korean horror movies that we had up there for the, for the month of June, The Wailing actually did win. So we're going to be oh, talking about that in a good. few weeks. There yeah. you go. I, I think Which you guys are going to enjoy that. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for right. the Straight Chilling Podcast. We're wrapping up episode number 15 of the Horror For You podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.